Turn with me, if you will, to uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 20. And uh, we're nearing the end of that great book. Won't be much longer. Well, I try to adjust this a minute. Now I got it. All right. And uh, we had just uh, gone through the passage of Christ returned to the earth and how he returns as the victorious uh, warrior as predicted in the book of Isaiah so many years before all this. He comes back in, in, in all of his glory riding on a white horse with the, the heaven's armies behind him and brings the death blow to uh, Babylon, that, that wicked ancient kingdom that keeps cropping up as it represents uh, the, the, the final great and, and wicked kingdom on earth, uh, those kingdoms which uh, set themselves up against God. <clears throat> There's going to be one final kingdom um, where, where they, the people come together again in opposition to God, in defiance and mockery of God. Uh, we talked about the devil and his beast and the false prophet forming an unholy trinity in, in mockery of God and trying to show their power on earth. And it's, it's interesting that when Christ decides to break in, nothing can stand against Him. And we see more of that here at the beginning of chapter 20. So I'm going to read the first six verses here, and you can follow along with me in whatever version you have. I, I use English Standard. But it says this, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain, and he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer, until a thousand years were ended, and after that he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and that had not received its mark on their foreheads on their, on, or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years." The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Let's pray again. Lord, we just ask a blessing on the reading in the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. As human beings, we, we, and we've talked about this before, and I think the book of Revelation um, gives us some great hope. But as human beings, we're always looking for something better. We're looking for a better life. We're looking for a better way. We're looking for a way to, to escape the evils of this world. It's often why we, we escape into things like entertainment and, and, and now the internet provides e even more um, escapism to a certain degree. 
if you get into politics, you, you'll see how toxic the internet can be. But there's a lot of there's a lot of escapism in the internet as well, of, of ways of pulling ourselves out of the world and out of the problems of life, even for a short while. We're always looking for for that kind of escape um, from the world. We're we're always talking. I mean, it used to be that we talked a lot about um, a future of 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 uh, what we call utopia, where the, the evils of the human evils and war are, are have disappeared and there, there's a better and brighter future ahead and sometimes unfortunately in, in, in modernism in, in our modern mindset um, especially in the uh, 19th and 20th century uh, we, we were always looking for that um, that that, that uh, kingdom of man or, or, or that civilization where we, we put an, uh, an end to war and come together as one and, and, and in peace. It's one of the founding principles of the United Nations. It's um, been sung about. It's, it's been hoped for. Um, the 1960s especially, we talked a lot about uh, the age of Aquarius that was supposed to come. Aquarius, the new age. Um, and, but, you know, Christ long ago promised us that there would be a new age. Where, where he would, would reign in, in, in benevolence and love and absolute sovereignty. Goodness. And I can tell you, for, for all of our talk about wanting to escape or, or create some sort of um, beautiful place to live in where, where we're free from war and strife and poverty and those kinds of things, we've, we've never been able to achieve that. And I believe firmly that that kind of, of civilization will not come until God himself breaks into the world and gives that to us. Through his son, Jesus Christ. And the only way that's ever going to happen is, is, is this binding of Satan and his servants that this um, thousand years talks about here. So Christ has, has come back into the world at the end of Revelation 19. He's come in riding on a white horse. And he has dealt a blow to, to the civilization of, 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 of wicked mankind, the, ba the kingdom of Babylon. It has been swept away. Uh, the end of chapter 19 is rather bloody if you'll read that. Christ doesn't come in just to say naughty, naughty people. The promise is he, he's going to wipe out the wickedness. He's going to wipe out the, those who have done evil. He's going to wipe out the, the, this wicked kingdom that... that uh, Satan set up through his puppet the beast and through the false prophet and if Christ had not come into the world to put an end to this um, they would have destroyed everything uh, th th this battle of Armageddon is really a civil war between these two wicked kingdoms uh, the, the ones following the false prophet and the ones following the beast from what I understand um, would have destroyed the world in this great conflag conflagration that this great and horrible battle in the valley of Armageddon if it weren't for Christ stepping in and putting an end to it. His breaking into the world the second time will not be as a small child coming to save the world for its sins, however important that was. His second coming will be His coming in glory. And we look forward to that day. But not only is He coming in glory to, to put an end to this kingdom of, of wickedness, he is, he is out to set up his own glorious kingdom here on earth. And the first thing that happens is an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the abyss. It's probably the same angel that came down before 
um, when, when he, uh, the angel came down to release the devil and, and, and the, the, his, his evil hordes from the bottomless pit to, to, to inflict pain on mankind. And we're going to see this spiritual warfare. It's, it's not going to be hidden like it is now. Towards the end, the, the veil is going to be lifted between uh, th this, uh, th this world that we're living in now and the spiritual realm. We're going to see all this happening. The same angel that came down to release him from the pit also is the one who comes in and binds Satan and seals him back in this pit. And he'll be there for a thousand years. John is, is very careful to, to describe who this dragon is. He says it's the ancient serpent. A reference back to Genesis where the serpent who deceived Eve caused the fall of all humanity. And when God pronounced the, the curse on Satan, he says, on your belly you shall crawl. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her seed and your seed. And he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. That's a direct reference to Christ's coming. It's, it's kind of veiled in, in mystery when that's given. But this is about God's Messiah. The descendant from a woman would destroy the works of the devil, would crush his head. And this is it right here. This is the crushing of the head of Satan. That ancient serpent who is called the devil, who is called Satan, which means the adversary, the adversary of mankind, the one who has um, tempted people, who has dragged them away, who was the first rebel against God, who was the one who tried to set himself up in heaven and lost his place in heaven. And then he was dealt a blow when Christ was uh, crucified, the, the divine God dying for the sins of the people in order to break the curse of, of sin and of the devil and of death. Jesus did that. But Satan was allowed to, to uh, dwell on the earth and continue to cause havoc, to continue to drag away people, to uh, pull um, the saints even, if, if he could, out of their faith in, in God and in Christ and, and, and back into the, the world under his enslavement. Um, now, I believe in human nature and I, and, I, and, I, and I believe that humans are responsible for the sins that they commit. But the devil is the one who has been tempting and trying to drag away. He's, he's been the outside influence trying to pull people away, even believers, back into his glorious kingdom and into his clutches and into enslavement. Because the devil hates humanity. You know, everything the devil tempts us with looks good. Everything he tries to, to, to do is, 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 is pleasing to us. Whether that, that be drunkenness or, or uh, promis promiscuity or, or other kinds of, 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 of drugs, substances. Whether it's even the, the lust for power and fame. Whether it's, it's, it's just promoting um, self and selfishness. Pride is also one of the things the devil tries to tempt us with. All those things that he tries to entice us with and pull us away. All that is going to end when Christ returns. And those who have remained faithful to Christ will be the ones 
who endure. And again, I ask you, as I've asked several weeks, are you on the winning team? <laughs> are you staying on the winning team? Because what happens after Satan is bound with, with this chain and thrown back into the abyss, and, and that, that abyss is sealed over him, that seal remains in place for a thousand years. And this is what um, Bible scholars and preachers and teachers often refer to as the millennial reign of Christ. And there's, there's different interpretations about the, this millennial reign. And I've told you in the beginning, my, my, my view, and I think it's a healthy view, is, is to look at Revelation not just as symbolic, idealist, and not just as past, and not just future, all those things have, all three of those things have to be held in tension here when you're looking at the book of Revelation. So people will say when they talk about the thousand-year reign of Christ, that's talking about the first reign of Christ and that the thousand is a symbolic number. And if you want to believe that, that that's okay. Because there is a lot of symbolism in Revelation, and I don't think you, I don't think you, you can hold to one particular view or another. I mean... Uh, Somehow it's all going to work out in the end. But it's my conviction that the thousand years is a literal reign of Christ and that Christ comes back, his second coming happens before this millennial reign and that Christ sets up this glorious kingdom in which his saints are brought in and, and not just those saints who were alive when this happens but the saints who um, were martyred had their heads removed, beheaded, because of their testimony for Jesus Christ. And I think it includes all the saints who, um, who, who were, you know, had died before believing in Christ. I think it includes them too. I think it includes, it says here, the, those who um, did not give their allegiance to the beast... Um, by taking his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. Remember we talked about the mark and the seal of God um, being the Holy Spirit and that Satan also has his mark which he forces people to take and mockery of that. Um, and, and the mark has to do with, you know, you're my slave. You, you, you've been branded. And, and people are going are to have to choose whether they want to be branded um, and, and follow Satan in his kingdom, Fo follow this beast and the false prophet or not. I think, I think we're, we're going to know when this happens, um, and, and we're, we're not going to be ignorant of it. We're go there's going to have to come a time when we have to make a decision that we're not going to follow this, the, the blasphemer. But those who refused to, to give over to him, are also, and, and they died because of that, also are going to be resurrected. And they're going to join Christ in his glorious kingdom. Christ does come back to set up a, a, a glorious reign of a thousand years. And I think what, what, he's, what he shows us here is that, you know, you guys are always talking about setting up a utopian kingdom. You guys are always talking about coming together un, under one uh, ruler. You guys are always talking about coming together under one person. The problem is, is that human beings are corrupt. And when they come together like that, usually it's under a dictator. <laughs> but when Christ comes, the God of the universe, 
the one who loved us so much that he created us and, and was even willing to die for us because of his love, his rule and his reign are going to be wonderful. And he's going to show us how it's, how it's done. This is how you, you do a kingdom on earth. And I think only Christ can show us that. Now, you know, again, the other debate that, that I've talked about, and um, I'll just uh, say this as sort of a caveat. Um, this says here the first resurrection happens at this time, at the end. It, I, I don't necessarily believe in a rapture that happens before this. Because it says pretty clearly here that this is the first resurrection. Now, you can believe that or, or, or not. You could say, when it happens, when the rapture happens before the tribulation comes, you can say, see, pastor, I told you so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to be dogmatic about these things and say that you're wrong. But my belief is, is that this is the first resurrection and there's not one that happens before this. But anyway, the first resurrection is, is, is supposed to be glorious the, the saints are resurrected. The, 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 those who suffered and died for the name of Jesus Christ are going to be resurrected and join Him in His kingdom. A glorious time where, where evil is bound and shut away and, and, and the saints are brought to life and they join Him in this glorious kingdom not just as servants. Yes, they are servants of Christ. But he says that they will, they will reign with Christ. That it, there are some who will be, who will be appointed judges um, over the wickedness of mankind and, and uh, that they will administer God's justice on the earth. I think there will be some people during this period who are, who are born and, and, and they, they, they're given, you know, at some point given a choice of whether to you know, serve Christ or not. And um, I, I think there's going to be some things that happen that, that the, that the uh, saints are going to have to uh, make decisions between people and help them out, help, help them to become what Christ wants them to be. And I think, um, you know, those of us who remain faithful now are going to be the rulers of the earth, so to speak. The judges that sit on the thrones here, the, the, the priests of God, it says here, in, in verse 6. The priests of God will we, we, we'll be like the under-shepherds. Christ is the great shepherd. The saints who have been faithful to Christ all the way through even these troubles and trials and stood for their testimony of Jesus Christ, they're, they're going to reign with Him. They're, they're going to be the under-shepherds under Christ and, and, and we're going to rule the earth. The Apostle Paul certainly believed this. And so did the other, other um, apostles. Paul says, it in a, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, he says, you know, you shouldn't, one, one of the problems was of, of Christians going to uh, lawsuits against other believers. And Paul chastises them for doing that, for doing lawsuits against other believers. He says, don't you know that your destiny is is to serve as, as judges of the whole earth when Christ returns. And if you can't settle disputes between yourselves now, what makes you think you're going to settle those things in the great and glorious future? He hints at that to believers. Don't you know that you're going to be judges of the, over all the earth, he tells them? 
the disciples, when, um, when, when, when they were on earth and, and Jesus was on earth, uh, they, they believed that Christ was going to bring the glorious kingdom. And so what happens in, in Mark 10? I just want to read this. This is uh, Mark 10, 35 through 45. I mean, I'm sorry, through 40. And it says, James and John, the two disciples, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they, and they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism with which, which, with which I'm baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. See, the disciples, they, they had it wrong. They thought that they were going to be great and, and rule with Christ um, through their um, own strength and through their own, they, they were seeking positions of power in, in Christ's new kingdom. They were thinking it was going to be a political kingdom at that time. Jesus said, are you ever going to, are you going to take the, the cup that I'm, I'm to take? Are you going to take the baptism that I'm about to, about to go through? In other words, are you willing to suffer and die for the sake of others like I'm getting ready to do? Can you partake in that cup of destiny? And, you know, the disciples are still kind of foolish. They don't know what he means. And they say, well, yeah, we're ready. And Jesus says, well, you will drink of that cup and you will be baptized with that baptism. But for me, but for me to grant those thrones is not, it's not in my power. That, that they're, they're already prepared for those for whom Christ has, or for, for God has determined They, asked, they looked and sought for power for the wrong reasons. And Christ comes back and he tells the other disciples too, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you must become the least. Because even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you want to reign with Christ in his glorious kingdom to come, if you want to reign in, in, in these thousand years, of a, of a blissful, wonderful, glorious, benevolent kingdom, then you must be willing to give up all of your selfishness, all of your pride, all of your um, ideas of false control, and give all that over to Jesus Christ. Because only those who, who suffer as He has suffered are going to be reigning with him in this new and glorious kingdom. And what do I mean by suffer? It, it may, I may or may not be talking about a physical death. It, it, it may not come by persecution. But the question is, what are we willing to give up for Jesus Christ in order to be in this glorious kingdom? Can I give up my selfishness? Can I give up my, my pride? Can I give up my, my material possessions? Can I give up my wealth? Can I give up my safety and my security? 
for the cause of Christ? Can I even give up my family? Because Jesus said that <clears throat> I've come not to um, bring, bring um, um, a peace, but, but of a division between people. And, and those who are not willing to leave mother and, and father and brother and sister for my sake are not worthy of me. Now, he's not, Jesus wasn't making an anti-family statement there. What he's saying is, are you going to put me first? Because that relationship with him is the most important thing. And even if our family rejects us and pushes us away, are, are you going to let go of them and, and follow me? Now, the hopes of that, of course, is that the family will come along, um, if, if not right then, eventually, because of the example of, of, that, the, of the witness. But, G, but God is saying, you don't worry about them. Worry about your relationship with me first. And, and when you make that right, then, then become witnesses to your family or your friends or your loved ones who have rejected me. To serve in that glorious kingdom that, that's to come, that Christ is establishing for a thousand years. We must be prepared now to suffer for the cause of Christ by putting myself behind and putting him in front. It's not a, not, it's not a deletion of the self. It's not a removal of the self. But it's about priorities. Does Christ come first in my life? So much so that I'm willing to surrender everything I am and everything I have for Him. Even to the point of death, even to the point of rejection. Christ suffered to the point of death for us. We should be willing to do no less. That utopian kingdom to come is, can only come when Christ returns. And the only way to be part of it is to give ourselves fully to Jesus Christ. And I'm not just talking about a one-time prayer at an altar that, that you did several years ago. And, and, and I believe in those kinds of transformative experiences where you come to the altar and you give yourself to Jesus Christ. But some people live in a way that, okay, I did that one time and now I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And, I, and I'm always going to be in his kingdom. And, and nothing can take that away from me. So I can go out and, and, so I can go out and live how I want to now. I, I can live in my own pride and my own selfishness. I can live in my own way. I don't need the church even to the, that point. I don't need the church to be the kind of believer I need to be. I've said it before and I've said it again. If you're not growing in Christ, then you're regressing in Christ. And if you're not careful, sometimes re regressing in Christ means I stop listening to the Holy Spirit and I stop obeying the Spirit and I stop obeying God's Word. It's all about what we do right now. If you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ at an altar a long time ago, then, then you better be in a continual, continual relationship with Him. You know, these days you don't just get married and then put your wife to the side and go do what you want to do. What happens, usually that ends in a, in a divorce. <laughs> I'm talking about just simple logic here. 
But if you want to maintain a great relationship with your spouse, you keep at it. You keep loving each other. You keep working. You keep communicating. Each partner in that marriage surrenders something of themselves to the other. You keep that relationship going. If you do that, if you do that kind of relationship with God, you're going to, it's not that God rejects people or pushes them away. You're the one who's drifted. You're the one that, that's gone away from God. And if you're not careful, eventually you'll find yourselves not in God's will anymore and not in His good graces. And I believe that. If we're going to be saints, we've we got to be willing to give all for Him. Just like these saints who were beheaded for their testimony and who refused to follow the wickedness of the world. Even to the point where they couldn't buy and sell anymore. Hopefully in, in these la those last days that the Bible, that Revelation talks about, there's going to be a black market. Because without the black market, you probably won't survive, especially if you stand for Christ. How far are you willing to go to be in, in that new and glorious kingdom that Christ is going to bring about? And Christ is the one that's going to bring it about. It's not going to be human, human, humanity doing it. All human beings know how to do is, you know, they might come in together in peace, but what happens is you're going to get a, an evil dictator because human hearts are still corrupt. The only way that this utopian kingdom comes about is, is by Christ breaking into the world, and you have to decide, am I on that winning team? Lord, is my life surrendered to you? And, and, and am I willing to give up myself, even my own physical life, to, to follow you? My, my, my material life, my, my possessions, my relationships, all of that is surrendered to you, Jesus. And that's how we make it into this glorious kingdom. And there's going to be some rough times ahead. And we're going to have to hold on to that. And, and, and this church is going to need each other more and more as you see this world get darker and darker and I believe it's going to get darker we're going to need each other more we're going to need to support each other more we're going to need to pray for each other more we're going to need to live holy lives even as the cultural pressures around us try to pull us away from God in Christ and that's already happening folks they're going after your, your grandkids in some cases, great-grandkids. And you see that on the news. You, you see that you know, on, on the articles you read and those kinds of things. You see that in society. I don't have to sit here and harp on those kinds of things. You know what's going on. But if you're not responsible as, as parents and grandparents for trying to guide those future generations and, and combat some of this stuff, then I would say shame on you too. <laughs> and shame on me. I don't have any kids, but I've got nieces that I could be influencing. But being a testimony for Jesus Christ, standing up for Him in a culture that's gone wrong, standing with Christ and for Christ, standing up for Him and, 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 and the fact that only He can do away with sin in the human heart, and that following His way is the best way. And following the Word, the revelation He's given us, is, is the best way. We have to be willing to stand 
for those things and stand for Christ and surrender to Him and allow Him to guide us in all of our words and deeds and thoughts, if we want to see and enter into this glorious kingdom, And so I, I want to ask you, are, are you looking for and hoping for that great and future glorious kingdom in Him that's to come, that's been promised to us? Are you looking for that? Are you looking for, it, for um, an end to the evil and strife in this world? And, and are you looking forward to Christ coming and establishing His kingdom? Are you looking forward to being part of that? Well, believers, you must continue in faithfulness and obedience to God and His Word to the point of even the sacrifice it talks about here. And I want to ask you today, have you kept your commitment to Christ? Have you remained faithful to Him? Examine your own heart in this. I'm not going to stand up here and accuse you of things I don't know. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit knows and God knows, I'll guarantee it. But are you living for Jesus Christ now? And are you living in a way that you look forward to that kingdom to come and being part of this, this glorious and wonderful kingdom where sin no longer reigns, no more evil, no more wickedness? If we want it truly, then we've got to drive it from our own hearts even now. Ask yourself, Lord, is there anything in my life that I need you to forgive? Then help me, Lord, to give that to you right now. Let's stand.